Welcome back to another episode of the Main Quest podcast. This is, of course, the number one retro gaming podcast with no gag reflex. <laughs> as, <laughs> as always, I am your host, Keith. And if you are a returning listener, I'm going to flip it and reverse it here and let you guys know up top that if you'd like to reach me, you can shoot me a DM on Instagram at the main quest. My email inbox is always open as well. Uh, it's a little emptier than I would like it, but you can go ahead and shoot any comments, suggestions, or questions my way at mainquestpod at gmail.com. And lastly, if you are so inclined, please leave a rating or review on the podcatcher of your choice if you are able to. I haven't done the science but many other podcasters before me have, and I guess that that helps the show out in some way so that eventually I can, I don't know, tell you guys to go shave your genitals or something or talk about mattresses. <laughs> I, it's, that's when you make it big, right? Better help. Right. <laughs> definitely. I'm looking for the better help sponsorship and Raid Shadow Legends. Oh, yeah, definitely. You, you gotta get, Once you get that Raid Shadow Legends uh, money, man... The possibilities are limitless. I'll play their game every day. <laughs> if they give me give me the give me a little bit of that cut of that pie. And lastly, before we officially get into it, I want to genuinely thank every one of you that has stuck with me while I've been away the past couple of months figuring life out. I appreciate everyone who has also boosted the show and kept it relevant on social media you guys everybody knows exactly who i'm talking to and i owe all you guys big time uh but right now all i can really share is gratitude so thank you thank you and of course thank you nave with all of that stuff out of the way it's time to get back to the regularly scheduled chaos here i am joined you've already heard him from one half of the Gaming Together podcast. I can't tell which one of you is the better half of the duo here because both of you guys are delightfully insane. Yeah, it's definitely Philip. I'm just loud. <laughs> Today I've got Nave with me. How's it going, man? It's going great. I definitely didn't just wake up. Um, so I've got that going for me. But honestly, if you've listened to my show before, uh, that's kind of my pocket. That's kind of where I exist if I don't feel very uncomfortable while I'm recording, I can't get that general chaos, anxiety feel through to the listener. I need them to suffer with me. I was a little earlier when you were like, yo, I just woke up and I'm like, um, hmm, okay, do I wait a little bit? And you're <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's all good. Like, I just had a dream about Kirby's Dreamland and I'm good to talk about it. It's interesting. I had a bunch of friends come over spontaneously i'm i'm notorious for just putting things off until the last minute so i was like the night before this recording i'm going to do so much research and instead we were all just drinking dosaki and watching scarface while i had a raycon in and i'm just like listening to kirby's dreamland's like soundtrack <laughs> just like trying to like keep my brain in the in the that's my i listen to the soundtrack what kind of fucking fever dream is listening to kirby 
the soundtrack and then also watching Scarface. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. This is uh, this is how life should be lived. Do you want to play what? Say hello to my little friend. So before we actually jump into the game, why don't you, I mean, you kind of already gave everybody a little bit of a hint of what they can expect, but what can people expect uh, coming from your show when they listen to Gaming Together? Uh, we are we talk about cooperative games. Mostly we just bullcrap. Why did I censor myself just then? We uh, talk about multiplayer games in a cooperative sense. So we'll play competitive games as well. We're looking toward to playing like Fall Guys, Gears of War. Um, we're gonna have one on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pretty soon. My uh, co-host is very straight man. He's the funny guy, so he just reacts to me being ridiculous. Is he the funny guy? I feel like that has to work in tandem. Oh, he is—he's absolutely the funny guy. He makes me laugh. He—I've probably never laughed on recording as hard as I do in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode coming out because he is just explaining how what is his name, Wingnut. Is can is is gotta be dead because of what we did to him in that game. I'm not sure if you've played the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. The new one? Yeah, the yeah the new one, Shredder's Revenge. I'm so bad with names and shit like that. I don't know. I have no idea who Wingnut is, so I have no context <laughs> for that. <laughs> you don't know Wingnut, the most popular Ninja Turtle enemy besides Rocksteady. I was playing that. I, don't know I was playing that game, and I'm like, I don't. Who the hell is this? <laughs> I do not remember is, the turtles like I thought I remembered the turtles. It makes it even funnier when he when he dies. <laughs> so you guys are basically, I think you guys are coming up on your one year anniversary or did it just happen? Uh, I think it happened last month. Was that last month? What month is it? Fuck. <laughs> I don't know what's is going it June? on. June? It's June. So it was last month. So we are just freshly one year old. Well, congratulations. What what made you guys even want to start the podcast? Uh, Philip was doing training for his job for like two months mm -hmm. and he was very bored and he's into podcasts and uh, he just knew me. And so he messaged me and asked me if I wanted to join and I never say no to anything. I'm like, sure, why not? This is a, this is a new experience. And it turns out it's really fun. Yeah. Did you guys always play games together prior to even starting the podcast? Uh, yeah, we we've only known each other since high school. And mostly we've so for most of our lives, we're kind of just been like separated in playing on on, on the Internet. Mm -hmm. But in high school, we were conjoined twins, essentially playing Halo 3 and Rock Band and stuff. Did you have any like siblings that you grew up with that you played with? Uh, I do have siblings, but I moved around a lot, like between my family. So um, all of my siblings are on my mom's side. And so I every time I would go to my dad's place, I would just be by myself. So I would play like F-Zero. And this is I, this is some nerdy shit. I don't think I've ever said this before, but I would play F-Zero and I would race the first racetrack with every ship and like right down my time and see which ship was the fastest because i didn't believe the game <laughs> i don't know why i thought that but i was like i need to f actually s do scientific research on these ships 
because in the first track is just like a loop i think it's like pretty very simple yeah. so it's like there's minimal terrible if i remember right i think f-zero didn't even have like real like real speeds or something like they had like those weird charts when you would select one of the aircrafts i can't remember exactly i remember they had a speedometer in the game though and it would be like 800 miles an hour and i was just like that's just how fast cars go i guess <laughs> and so i always thought that cars just went 800 miles an hour that's the thing about f-zero too is like it's not multiplayer which is really fucking weird was it not? Well, I never had anyone to play with, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, no. Every, I, would, I just assume, always assumed I was alone. I remember when I first started, like, getting back into retro games and playing stuff. And, I like, F-Zero was one of those first games where, you know, I had a friend over. I'm like, oh, shit, we should play some fucking F-Zero. And then I realized, like, oh, it's just a single-player game. Which is, <laughs> like, all right, I, I guess. I mean, it's still pretty fun, but I feel like it'd be more chaotic if it was being able to play with multiple people, but I super Nintendo probably wouldn't be able to handle that. The thing would probably set on fire or something. And so the final thing I want to ask you is what is your favorite game of all time? <clears throat> well, if you ask me this in five minutes, I'm probably going to give you an answer, but my gut feeling right now is to say Tony Hawk's pro skater three. <laughs> That's what my gut says. Okay. Okay, me and my friend were just talking about talking about that game and how nobody ever really talks about it. They always just talk about Tony Hawk 2. And I have more I of know. a connection with 3 than I do 2. Because uh, I had the original 3 on my Xbox, on the original Xbox. And dude, we played the shit out of Tony Hawk's 3. I played the shit out of 2 mm. also. Like, don't get me wrong, but I just have more of a connection with, with 3. Okay, so 3 had unlockable stages from the previous games correct i think so or it might be two it might because there was a release on the xbox that was like 2.5 or something i can't remember that had a bunch of extra content and so i get all of the i get tony hawk 2 and 3 mixed up a lot but because i had them both at the same time and i was just always switching between them did you play any of the other ones before that oh yeah uh, there was a McDonald's uh, near my mom's house that had Nintendo 64s with the greasy, disgusting uh, screens, like uh, the little CRTs you could see underneath the little glass. And then one of them was Tony Hawk, and it had four controllers. And I was like the king of Tony Hawk's Tony Hawk One at that McDonald's because I never left. I would always walk to that McDonald's and just play Tony Hawk. <laughs> the employees are just like these kids don't even fucking buy anything they just sit here and play the fucking n64 <laughs> yeah it was a hang it was a hang i'm desperately searching for a segue here so you know you know what you couldn't play at a mcdonald's oh you're talking about bmxxx oh. <laughs> on the place oh game boy all right confused get out of here phone i mean that that's like an alpha move right there you know if you pop that disc into one of the kiosks it's not even that bad like i remember as a kid i was like oh this is the forbidden fruit and i would put it in and it's just is it Matt Hoffman's bmx game oh it's not that bad oh i've never played it well I've <laughs> i would be the one that's played it <laughs> believe me it's it's fine well now that the segue is just non does not exist today we played kirby's dreamland
before we get into the game properly, I always start with our personal histories and what our personal histories are with the game. What is your history with Kirby's Dreamland? Well, we'll start with that. What is your history with Kirby's Dreamland? Um, I only knew this game by the box art where Kirby is this weird, gross gray blob. I would see it at GameStop or Game Exchange. Uh, those were the two stores I had in my town. And I would just be like, ugh. And I would just walk past it and I would grab a Tony Hawk, a Game Boy game instead for my Game Boy Advance. But um, uh, yeah, I have absolutely no history with it. I played my first Kirby game was uh, the Crystal Shards on the N64. Okay. And that game kind of scared me a little bit. I would play Torok and I would feel more safe than Kirby and the Crystal Shards just because of some of the weird imagery that Kirby has, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, there's some like very uncomfortable qualities to Kirby. One of the things that's kind of been going through my head as I was putting my notes together was what is the most painful transformation that Kirby undergoes? Because you know it just can't be like a simple like transformation and he's done. If there was a real life version of Kirby where he goes through this metamorphosis, like it has to be excruciatingly painful. Oh, so you're going you're going a little less Sailor Moon, a little more Animorphs. <laughs> Have you, do you know anything about the Animorphs? Because that's like the whole show. I mean, I've never I've never read the books, but I know of it. Because the the half of the point is that transforming into these animals is excruciatingly painful for these children. <laughs> There's so much child agony in those books; it's insane. Because it's like my my their bones are breaking to reform the spine of a cheetah. I'm like, oh my goodness! Right, tell me more. Right. So when Kirby goes into like full fireball mode, he sets himself on fire. How much pain is he putting upon himself? I don't think he feels do that. I don't think he feels pain. You don't think he feels anything? Like his face is unchanging. <laughs> his face, that dead stare, that curb, that trademarked Kirby stare, always present. He truly is an elder chore. By the gods, fear it, Lawrence. So then, my other question on top of that was, uh, what's your history with the other games in the franchise? If you have any, you already talked about Crystal Shards. Uh, yeah, well, Kirby really was just like, hey, it's that character from Smash for a very long time. You know, like, Ness, and nobody's played Earthbound, but everyone likes to pretend they have, um, including me. I haven't played Earthbound, but <laughs> it's like uh, the uh, the Kirby character himself, or itself? I don't even know if it's a he. It's kind of just a weird thing. But uh, He is canonically a male, okay, whatever that means. It. I was exposed to a little bit of the advertisements of Kirby. I don't know how much you know about Kirby's ads, but there was this insane push to make this character super manly in this in this age where it's like they would have ads of Kirby. Like, I might be remembering this wrong, but I think Kirby had cigarettes and Kirby was just like this badass. Like they were trying to push this uber masculine Kirby because if it was pink they had they felt like they had to overcorrect to get kids to play it and i vaguely remember that yeah i vaguely remember some of the commercials that came out here in the u.s and this was during nintendo's play it loud era so they were really just trying to catch (laughs) up and compete with what sega was doing and and what they were doing with their marketing and so you have something like 
Kirby. And it's just kind of, it's the age old, like uh, lost in translation from going from Japanese culture to US culture, where at this point, it's everything is very extreme. Everything is, let's just become the most edge lordy, gross out piece of shit we can be, but still <laughs> market it towards kids somehow. And so in Japan, you've got like this cute little, well, he wasn't pink at the time, but like this little white cloud thing that eats people. And then you bring him over here and then you get commercials where like he's weightlifting and like the narrator is like, you don't want to mess with Kirby because he's a real tough cream puff or, you know, shit like that. <laughs> like, and it's like him like punching somebody in the face. Kirby just absolutely decking somebody it's just so out of place and yeah so you mess with kirby you he will kill your entire family <laughs> by kirby's dreamland today i've talked about the mega man games previously and talked about how awful the box art for every mega man game is in the united states versus oh, i love them versus like how good they were in japan where it's just like just this straight up like cool anime like collage or whatever and then you get whatever the hell we got here with like some middle-aged dude in like blue armor <laughs> like yeah it's just some very weird decisions as far as marketing to kids and here in the u.s i don't know if i mean it worked to some degree we bought that shit as far as my history with kirby uh this is pretty much where it began it began with the first game and like a lot of video game related things uh, the Game Boy and the games that came with it just kind of ended up being in the house. I had no idea how it got there. My parents probably bought it. Maybe my brother bought it. I'm not sure. And then it was just there until it basically became mine. And then my older brother decided to get the PlayStation or whatever the new hotness was at the time before we <laughs> ended up trading something in for something else. So, yeah, I can't really say like when the Game Boy or Kirby ended up being in the house, uh, but I know that my face was buried in that thing. And it's also probably one of the reasons why I have to wear glasses now, because that <laughs> fucking green screen destroyed my eyes from like staring, trying to stare at it all day long. You know, I always have memories of like going to my friend's house, uh, playing there, or I was the weird kid that would go to the park with my friends and while everybody was running around throwing footballs or practicing Power Rangers moves or whatever the fuck children do, I was sitting on the sidelines playing Kirby like a fucking weirdo. <laughs> That's interesting because I was definitely late to the Game Boy party because my first Game Boy was the color. My very first Game Boy was the yellow Pikachu Game Boy. Okay. And, and I got it with Pokemon Yellow. And it was already after all of the kids on the playground were playing Pokemon Red and Blue, and I just watched them. And I was just like, yeah, that's interesting. And I'm just on the monkey bars. <laughs> like, well, I don't have one of those, so I don't, I'm not interested at all in what you're doing over there. Yeah. The and then I was super late to the Pokemon party. Yeah. Yeah. Pokemon really gave the Game Boy like a nice refresh uh, because at that point it was pretty much like super outdated as far as like technology goes. And then come here comes Pokemon, and it's literally the biggest thing on Earth. And then suddenly I'm yeah. not the weird kid 
sitting around playing on a Game Boy anymore. Every, everybody else is playing on a Game Boy now. But as as far as Kirby goes, I mean, even as a kid, I kind of thought the game was easy, super easy. Not that Kirby's Dream Land isn't challenging. There is like a new game plus or whatever that you can go through. And then this game kind of ties into my, I, I guess, my hobby. And I, I took up drawing when I was younger. And so Kirby, very easy to draw. <laughs> so I would always just sit there and draw like, little comics of Kirby and all of the little uh, enemies and stuff like that. Uh, there wasn't a lot, of, a lot of characters up to this point yet. Uh, it's weird that I'm covering this game now when I already covered Adventure, which is, well, I don't want to spoil anything really, but it's obviously the better game. It was on better hardware. Um, <gasps> so, <laughs> right. <laughs> Shocker. Um, but yeah, all of my fondness begins with this game. And um, I say franchises like, like I've I played a lot of games, but like this franchise, I really haven't touched more than three or four of the Kirby games. Like I've played this, yeah, Adventure, Nightmare in Dreamland, and Superstar. Oh, you never played the the N sixty four one? No, I'm not very big on the N sixty four now, and I wasn't as a kid either. I did have an N sixty four, and we did have games, but there's something about the N64 that just was not pulling me in as a kid. Kirby's Dreamland is a platformer developed by HAL Laboratory and published by Nintendo. Of course, I've talked about HAL before, and if you're not familiar with The Adventures of Lolo, they have, of course, took part in developing Super Smash Brothers. Now, the last time I talked about HAL, which was on Adventures of Lolo and Kirby's adventure and their history within the industry prior to meeting up with Nintendo. I knew I would be coming back around to this, so it's kind of why I skipped around their history a little bit. So before Kirby's Dreamland, Hal was making PC games. And this was, of course, prior to being bought out by Nintendo. Um, and none of their games were very successful. Uh, in the before times, two of the most iconic game designers and programmers in gaming history, of course, Masahiro Sakurai and the absolute legend, Satoru Iwata, uh, they were working for HAL. Uh, Iwata actually had been with HAL since the early 80s, and Sakurai kind of came around the time uh, Nintendo bought HAL. What made Hal and Iwata specifically attractive to Nintendo is that their team basically already knew how to develop for the Famicom and the NES because those consoles used the same boards and the chips that Hal had been using to make their PC games. So that is basically a huge, a huge reason why a lot of the games that Iwata touched in this era were as good as they were and it's kind of you know <laughs> as far as good games go i don't know why mario sunshine is a car wreck further investigation needs to be done but r.i.p iwata <laughs> I mean, genuine real gasp don't, now. <laughs> don't want to throw any more dirt on that grave um mario sunshine should have been buried with iwata that's my hot take here <laughs> i loved sunshine oh really 
Oh, you were yeah. you're a sunshine guy. Oh no. Yeah. I kind of just, oh, no. I don't know. I kind of just, when things are placed in front of me, I am, a, I have a proclivity to enjoy them. Mm. I'm sure as you know, uh, from our resident evil six conversations, ensuring complete global penetration. We need to pull out. I, I tend to go, well, what can I extract from this that's pleasant? And I also like to laugh at things. So if something makes me laugh, I think it's good, even if it's bad. And that's why I'm laughing at it. So you know how much I don't like Resident Evil 6, right? Uh, Yeah, for sure. I would rather play Resident Evil 6 than Mario Sunshine. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on, dude. Resident Evil 6 that is, is nuts to butts. so much more fun than Mario Sunshine. Yes. Do we have to go into this? <laughs> yeah, do we have to go into this? <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess we're just going to get canceled now because <laughs> we're both like RE6, play it before you play Mario Sunshine. You know, the biggest video game franchise besides Pokemon, Mario. How many spider terrorists are in Mario <laughs> So even though Hal was primarily making games for Nintendo before they actually got bought by Nintendo, they were acting just basically as a third party publisher making games for other people as well. And they weren't doing well because nobody wanted to play their games. They were just kind of elaborate experiments for the most part, like stuff like F1 Race and uh, uh, Othello. Classic. Yeah. (laughs) And when I talked about Adventures of Lolo, that did fine for them and did okay for Nintendo, uh, but it still really wasn't what either of them wanted as far as a a successful video games goes. Um, And Hal was in some serious trouble. And the president of Nintendo at the time, Yamauchi, stepped in and wanted to buy Hal as long as Awada would step up and become the president of Hal. And so this is kind of where Kirby's Dreamland is born. It is their first first party Nintendo game. Then we get everybody's favorite IP lawyer, Masahiro Sakurai, who, stop stop me if you've heard this before, wanted to make a game that appealed to not only boys, but also appealed to girls as well. Alluding to Pac-Man. The answer is <laughs> Pac-Man with that one. Um, and he, he also had like the trouble of having to toe the line between something that would like appeal to casual gamers and like hardcore gamers as well as i said earlier um that just just kind of goes into the fact that they put like a new game plus in which is incredibly more challenging than the base game surprisingly that that's like dark the dark souls of platformers is starting that new game plus mode (laughs) a lot of the kirby games are deceptively difficult if you are searching for it so this being a game boy title right you get the unique challenge of making a game that's made for a portable right something that could easily be enjoyed in bits and pieces or if you want like uh one sitting essentially kirby's dreamland can be completed in probably like an hour if you really wanted to yeah i think we beat it in like 40 minutes or so through the development of the game when sakurai came up with kirby dude was only 19 years old which is insane because when you think of when 
Kirby came out, there was kind of like a, a mascot arm race because everybody was like, well, Nintendo's got Mario, so we have to have our mascot as well. And you like Sonic at the time, the newest, biggest thing in 1989. And just the idea of Sonic, like as a character, was created by three people. Not to mention Sonic went through like numerous revisions before they decided to land on a hedgehog or any of that. And I'm not <laughs> saying like Kirby's like some like super creative thing. Like Sakurai literally like drew a circle with eyes on it. So I mean, <laughs> like, but it works. Somehow it works. It's got that very simplistic like Sangrio character. Like similar to Pac-Man, how like Yeah. I don't remember where I heard this. It's like the ghosts used to have like faces basically but then they're like okay take away everything but the eyes because these things are way too scary people are scared of these things i'm like that's that's very interesting when uh you hear about the development of these characters you could argue yeah we both still have sonic and kirby around right but between sonic and kirby who has the most dignity (laughs) between the two (laughs) (laughs) and one last thing i want to touch on is that uh, as these game boy episodes roll out Everyone will notice that there's a running theme with these games, uh, which are that the games themselves kind of feel like holdovers. Like they essentially all kind of they seem like spinoffs or like swept under the rug sequels that just kind of got dumped on the keep uh, onto the Game Boy. But Kirby, again, this is the first game, so it's a wholly unique IP made for this Nintendo hardware and did the opposite of starting on game boy and jumping to the nes whereas most games went from the nes to the game boy if that makes any sense i already kind of mentioned on gargoyles quest with that ancient lcd uh game boy screen nobody really knew what kirby looked like uh because the actual colors of the game boy were just like green and black and even on the box i thought you were gonna say uh, because no one could see the Game Boy screen very well. <laughs> <laughs> too, yes. <laughs> I imagine they all, when they were developing the uh, the Game Boy, they all played their games in like a giant, like it looks like the Apple Store, like just a giant white room <laughs> with like a ton of lights. <laughs> just 360 lights. Um, but also like you talked about earlier, like looking at the box art where Kirby's just like this white monstrosity it had no real characteristics to him really so yeah that's kind of why he looks like that like they just didn't know how to color him they didn't know exactly what the end game for kirby's design was it was just well here here this is what he looks like in the game so i don't know here's just this default thing and as a kid i always just thought he was a ghost which i don't know what's horrifying i I don't know what's worse like him being this elder horror or a ghost the ghost that just eats everything around him well he floats so i can see i can see the train of thought i don't like it but i can see (laughs) (laughs) which which leads me to wonder what was kirby in a previous life did he eat something did he eat something that he quite couldn't get down and he choked to death and then his curse is to eat everything. Was that gluttony? That's his sin. That's the sin he committed. Kirby is gluttony. There it is. <laughs> Kirby is the, <laughs> the cardinal sin gluttony. It's what you see if you die. He is the personification 
of gluttony, yes. I must live out the afterlife consuming. I'm thinking about this is a better backstory now. I think Sakurai needs to. I hope Sakurai is listening to this. There's a there's a story in that one. If if, if I'm anything, I'm the king of headcanon. <laughs> and then there's the accepted theory of where Kirby got his name, uh, which is basically a reference to the lawyer that defended Nintendo when Universal Studios took them to court over Donkey Kong. I saw some other speculation that it just might be like a weird Japanese reference. Nobody's really not sure, but taking the name for Kirby from their lawyer is kind of on brand when you consider where Mario got his name. So that's just the most accepted theory. You think he was happy about that? Or he was there like, hey, we're going to name a character after you, a Nintendo character. You know, like how Mario's super famous? And he's like, yes, let me see it. And then you see this thing. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's me, huh? Great. What does oh, it do awesome. again? It eats. Finally, the last part of the development team here, the music was composed by Jun Ishikawa, who previously talked about, um, composed for Kirby's Adventure. And I feel like it should go without saying i don't think i said it but dreamland was directed by sakurai nobody got that programmed by iwata um hopefully that i made that clear earlier anyway kirby's dreamland was released in april of 1992 in japan and august of 92 in the u.s and pal regions and since then it has been re-released for the 3ds virtual console as far as scores go, Nintendo Life, 7 out of 10, has a 77 on Metacritic. IGN gave it 8 out of 10, and it has a 4.5 out of 5 at Giant Bomb. Hey, what's uh, what's up? What's going on? What are you what are you doing on this side of Castletown? Listen, the Kukos tore up Link's tunic again. No, uh, I always say it, it may be dangerous to go alone, but it's always more dangerous to slap your chickens around. Look. Oh, ah, uh, uh, wow. Ooh, is that he? Doesn't look. Is he dead? Listen. Hey, well, I don't have any tunics for sale. Some weird 35-year-old fairy man just bought all of those, so I uh, I do have these shirts, tanks, and hoodies. Hey! That's right. Just head on over to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main quest pod and check out the huge selection of merch. You want a t-shirt? You can never go wrong walking around in a classic logo tee. Hell, you can walk into any dungeon with enough confidence with one of those bad boys on. But you really want to keep from getting mauled by vicious peckers? Equip yourself with one of the special designs. Or maybe you want something a little more simple. There's stickers, pins, phone cases, and tote bags to trap those little bastards. And the shipping is fast, so you'll never have to wonder when your package arrives. Look! That's right, hey, there's even a clock. But I can't promise that will stop the moon from crashing into the earth. Again, 
That site is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash manquestpod. Or just visit the link in the show notes. If you decide to support the show, know that any and all funds feed directly back into the show. So I know you don't have hands or arms or any... Can you... Can you just please get him out of here? The, the longer he lays here, the worse this looks for both of us. Watch out! As always, we break down the game to start at the story. And again, Kirby just is, you know, I've already put out the whole thing that Kirby just might have been something in a previous life. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure what Kirby is. They don't explain it in the story. He just exists <laughs> like gravity or the ever expanding universe. Kirby is just forever. Uh, the game does have a story. Of course, this being a Game Boy game, you don't see any semblance of that until, like, the end of the game, kind of. And Yeah, when you face off against God. Right. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> this, I mean, talking about NES games not really having any story, this is a Game Boy game. So, from here on out, when I talk about a Game Boy game, don't really expect too much out of these games. Who was the guy that said... uh was it John Carmack that was like the having a story in a game is like having a story in a porno. You expect it to be there, but it's not necessary. <laughs> really? It's something like that. I'm it is there's a it possibility I just made all of that up. <laughs> yeah, Miyamoto, famous Miyamoto quote. <laughs> so let me know. Let me know if any of this sounds like this was in this game at all. So the story for Kirby for Kirby's Dreamland goes as quote On a tiny star far, far away from the Earth, there is a very special place known as Dreamland. The Dreamlanders are very happy people who use their magical sparkling stars to play and work among the heavens. That is until one dark night when the gluttonous King DDD and his rotten band of thieves swooped down from the neighboring Mount DDD for a midnight snack in Dreamland. Not only did they steal all their food, but they stole the Dreamlanders's the Dreamlanders's treasured sparkling stars as well. I don't know what these sparkling stars are. Because the Dreamlanders didn't have the sparkling stars to gather food anymore, they began to get very hungry. What do you need these stars for food? This is morbid. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? what is going on? Suddenly, a spry little boy named Kirby happened along and said, Don't worry, I'll get your food and your sparkling stars back. With these words, Kirby set off on his quest toward the dreaded Mount DDD. We wish him luck. End quote. Turns out this game is just a giant allegory for the... China's Great Leap Forward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurt my feelings to say as I said it. <laughs> uh, 
at the end of the game, you see Kirby basically, I think he eats the castle or no, he, he like, he like, ex- <laughs> he becomes like a hot air Yeah, he like expands yeah. and like flies away with the, with the, the castle and. I like how all the, you were talking about how Kirby's probably a ghost and then all of this language that they use, like the heavens and the dreamlanders. I'm like, okay, maybe this is death. This is the purgatory between heaven and hell. Yeah. I don't know if I'm making this up, but like, I think that, did you hear about how the original, the original names for all of these things, like the original dreamland was like po 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 land. And then Kirby was poo poo poo. And King DDD was King PPP. And whenever it came to America, they were like, this can't be, we can't name these things, these things anymore. Like you're going to have to change I knew, it. I knew about the Kirby thing. I didn't know about everything else as far as the other characters and and the the setting goes. But yeah, I mean, it's the same reason why they changed Pac-Man's name from Puck-Man because... Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Some genius was looking at the cabinet and it was like, put his thumb over (laughs) the P in a way to make it an F. And he's like, (laughs) fuck man, (laughs) there it is. We can't have that. Honestly, fuck man, much better game. And the the other thing also about this. So Kirby says in the story, right? Don't worry, I'll get your food and your sparkling stars back. Is this the only spoken dialogue from Kirby? I think it has to be. Oh, no, because Kirby goes, hi, or whatever the fuck. (laughs) In Smash Brothers, doesn't he? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because that makes me angry. Is that, Eng- <laughs> when I is that, that. English, though? Or is that him just exhaling and it kind of sounds like high? <laughs> you know, like is that even about- spo- is that even a real spoken thing? Or is that just <laughs> air escaping his orifices? Yeah, you, I'm sure you know what I'm about to say. But you know that episode of Futurama where Bender turns into a human? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And... And he's like fat and dead at the end, <laughs> but and everyone thought he was alive because he kept going woo. But it was fat escaping from his fat folds that made the sound of woo. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Bender, you were right. Truly, you have lived more in your one week of being human than the rest of us have in our entire lives. Woo! He's dead. <gasps> when did he die? Hmm, about 12 hours ago when the party started. But he just said woo. No, that was air escaping from the folds of his fat. Woo! That's curvy. That's curvy. It's just like he moved in a certain way and everything's just like, hi. (laughs) (laughs) God, curvy becomes more and more unlikable the more we dissect it. Oh man, yeah. Uh, the Kirby's or the Kirby. Fuck. <laughs> the story is the story's whatever. Uh, it's really not here. Uh, what is here is the gameplay. So the gameplay for the game is incredibly simple. So if you've never seen a Game Boy before, uh, the face of the Game Boy looks just like an NES controller, um, which is kind of a genius move by the hardware hardware's designer gunpei yokoi uh it essentially just has the four face buttons and a d-pad so it's like hey you played the nes right well 
what if you still had to just hold the controller or whatever and you can still play the game? It's the same thing almost. So it's like if you're already familiar with Nintendo, it's a super, super smooth way to get people into playing the Game Boy. And to get developers to develop for the Game Boy or port for the Game Boy, I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the essentially the same hardware that was in the NES, some of that was in the Game Boy already. So the Game Boy is essentially just like a slightly less powerful NES, which is, you know, kind of a lot of handhelds today, you know, you look at um, like the PSP was always just kind of like a slightly underpowered like PlayStation 3, but like a little more powerful than like a PS2. So it's always just kind of been like one step behind, but I, th- I feel like a lot of developers pro- yeah, probably would have had just as an easy time developing for the Game Boy as, as they did for the NES. As far as the game goes, um, I mean, there's two essential movements. You you jump and suck, <laughs> you know. As one does in real life. <laughs> it's It's the one thing to get us by, right? Just like an adventure, Kirby's jump can be turned into like this infinite flutter that allows you to basically kind of skip the stage if you want. Um, but again, like I said, in Kirby's Adventure, you're kind of robbing yourself of the experience if you just fly through the entire stage. And that's it. There's no copyability, nothing, which is so strange because so much of Kirby, so much, when I think about Kirby, so much of that has to do with his copyability. And so the fact that I talked about Adventure before talking about this, it's kind of like, it's not much to talk about because it's that game, but without the copy abilities. And so in that way, like, this is kind of the weaker game. Like, it's, there's, it's, to me, it's not as fun as the other Kirby games. Yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting, but that we were playing the game and we were almost like three quarters of the way through the game before we even started mentioning that. Like, oh, yeah, how do you copy everything? Like, we were, like, eating things and trying to do, use powers, but we weren't able to figure it out. And we were just like, oh, I guess we're dumb. I, I probably, throughout the entire playthrough, I, did, I probably didn't even notice that it wasn't in the game at all. I thought, I don't know, I just beat it without copying anything, whatever. Yeah, I don't want anybody to, like, misconstrue, like, me saying, like, oh, this is a bad game. I still think it's a very good game for what it is, but it's just, I feel like there's something lost without Kirby having that unique trait in this game it's like the with um, with most of my experience of kirby being from smash brothers in my head like kirby's trait main trait is that he flies that he becomes a, a puff thing sure. and floats so it was kind of I, I i wonder if philip feels the same way but it's because he does because in smash brothers you copy abilities as well but it's like i don't know how often i ever really did that besides eating people and jumping off the edge and then spitting them out and then floating back up that was my move which is like yeah you can that that's in here too like you can still use enemies as projectiles and like spit them back out and obviously the game was designed around the fact that kirby can't copy abilities or anything like that like that wasn't even a thing yet so it's not like a poorly made game or anything it's just weird to me to go back after playing adventure like, how do we make this horrifying Eldritch being even more horrifying and Eldritch? He becomes you whenever he eats you. Okay. 
Well, then also you've got like the other eldritch monsters that he has to fight, like a sentient tree. You also have to fight a giant thundercloud. Um, I can't think of the other monsters. I, love the top of I was like, oh, look, it's the Smash Brothers tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said immediately as soon as I saw it. Yeah, there's only there's only five stages in this game. So you got Green Greens, Castle Lololo, Float Islands, Bubble Clouds, and Mount DDD. Uh, again, they're all very short. The game's very short. The game, or the levels all end in a boss fight. That's Lololo and La 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 are also an adventure as well. And they're kind of like, I would say they're Hal's mascots, I guess, since the Adventures of Lolo series. Uh, I don't know how many more appearances they make in Kirby games. Because again, I haven't played that many, but I know there's this one boss. There's one boss that's kind of like a shoot 'em up. Like it turns into like, like I think Kirby's just flying around and he's like fighting a cannon or something like that. And you have to just like yeah, spit it's- puffs of air at him or something. It's really cool because we were joking whenever we were playing. We were like, man, this game's ripping off a lot of things from Cuphead. And then it becomes that shoot 'em up section. And we're like, this game is just Cuphead. <laughs> <laughs> because it's very similar. Like, I, it's easier Cuphead. That's, yeah. that's and then and you can yeah, fly. Yeah. I mean, again, that boss fight's a lot harder in the New Game Plus uh, portion of the game, but. I keep calling it New Game Plus. There wasn't a name for it like that. It's just you start a new game, and it's a lot harder. Yeah, the game breaks the fourth wall. It's like press up and A and and have a harder time. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. You would have to like complete the game first to even know that it exists. You can just jump into it all willy nilly if you know what you have to press. But as far as like the vanilla game goes, man, the fight with Krako, the the lightning cloud. Uh man, that that dude kicked my ass way too many times than I'd like to admit. <laughs> yeah, I just I loved watching Philip struggle through that. That was dude, great. I was getting so pissed off because, like, at first I didn't know because he's like floating around the stage, right? And he swoops yeah. down, and that's pretty much like the only time you can hit him. But I didn't know how to get him to swoop down, and you just kind of have to like basically bait him by standing close to him. But like he's at the same time, he's always shooting out Waddle Dees and Kirby doesn't react fast enough to be able to like spit any of them back. Meanwhile, Crackle's also shooting like these bullets at you or whatever. So you have to stay like far away enough, like far away enough from that so you don't get hit. But also you have to stand close to him so that he swoops down. (laughs) So but he's always that was the main thing me and philip were arguing because i became convinced like you were talking just then about i'm like you have to be in the middle that's what makes him swoop and he was convinced that it was completely rng and so we had this like like this we were trying to experiment and see how and he kept because he would stand in the middle and the dude would never swoop down like if he would do like three rotations of like bullets and shooting water these out and i'm like maybe i'm wrong but then philip would stand on the edge and he would never swoop down and so philip was like maybe i'm wrong (laughs) we never knew dude it's yeah it's it's hard to tell but yeah when i would get close he would swoop down but also like it was impossible to get close because there's too much stuff happening i don't know oh yeah it, it's it seemed that Krakow had no discernible pattern and i'm glad you guys also had a shitty time with him too because i fucking 
I almost was like, I don't even want to play this anymore. I already kind of know how it ends anyway. <laughs> so I don't think any of these boss fights are really that great, if I'm going to be honest. Oh, no, not at all. They're just they're 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 Game Boy boss fights. Yeah, they were they were what was what was more interesting for us is about is is mostly how we were just shocked at how good the game was for being a Game Boy game. That's almost always the perspective we were coming mm. from. Yeah. Like the game, the game is like so very responsive. Like you were saying, you're not fast enough to do that thing with the the lightning bolt boss. You are not fast enough, like legitimately. But it's just because it's only because it's all happening so fast and like randomly. So it's like you also have to take in consideration that your your own reaction time. But it's like the game itself, other than that one part, is very responsive and uh, fun. Like. It's crazy that they were able to nail that down on their first try. A hundred percent, yeah. And I'm not saying like you're not fast enough because like there's some hardware limitations or whatever. It's just that boss is legitimately just just faster than you, and there's so much stuff happening on this. <laughs> it's I feel like it's the ultimate test before the final boss, um, because the final boss, King DDD, pretty easy, a a little bit again RNG based. Uh, because there's only certain attacks in which you can there's only certain movements that he makes in which you can actually hurt him but also it was a situation where i didn't have a lot of continues left when i was facing ddd <laughs> and he also takes a nice chunk out of your health bar as well uh if he does hit you so it was challenging in that way where i was like sweating because i was like if i fuck anything up i have to start all over again So let's get into something interesting here, uh, which is the graphics. Because <laughs> talking about the graphics when it comes to Game Boy games and the Game Boy is uh, probably for me personally, I can't speak for you. It's going to be a slippery slope of me saying that it's fine because it's a Game Boy game. It, you know, there's not a lot of Game Boy games I'm going to be covering, so there's not a lot on my roster. Uh, my roster, and there's not a lot that I have played. So I'm sure there are Game Boy games out there that look absolutely awful. I just don't know if I've actually seen one. The Mario Land games are pretty bad. Yeah, that Mar well, well, that's a blast from the past. Mario Land is going to be the next episode, and um, well, I'll save my thoughts for that one. But you can go ahead and. And eviscerate it if you want well it's just it's just the screen is like so small it's like they in order to improve readability everything has to be so simplified so everything just looks way worse than you would imagine like the mushrooms are so small and ugly the blocks are tiny like it's it's like its own little it's like the wind waker of mario games almost where like everything is such a departure from what you were used to which is the total opposite of Kirby because, in my opinion, Kirby's Dreamland looks pretty fucking good. Yeah, like like especially it's for a Game Boy game. Like that's always the asterisk there, but because this ain't no Kirby's Crystal Shard sixty four <laughs> or Carby. 
from the new Kirby game. I mean, we talked about the simplistic art style of Kirby and like the design of the enemies and stuff, and just like that overall like friendliness or whatever of the designs work really well for what the Game Boy can do. That's definitely an advantage they had for making the game for the Game Boy rather than having an existing thing be put onto the Game Boy. Because honestly, all of my complaints about Mario Land just then were, this is different from the original games. Well, let's see, also just on like a, like a technical animation level, we'll talk about Mario Land a little bit here. There's, it's very, very, it reminds me of the Game & Watch games, right? It's very static environments, the overall designs of Mario, and like you said, the sprites and all of that stuff look incredible just look off whereas kirby's dreamland everything has so much more life to it whereas mario land just seems a little dead like there's really subtle like when you play green greens the first level right there's subtle animations to the grass where it kind of looks like it's like uh there's like a breeze or whatever it's just kind of um waving around in the wind right and then you've got like these big puffy clouds that are floating around. You know, when you beat a boss, Kirby does like a little dance and stuff. There's there's so much more life to Kirby's Dreamland than something like Mario Land, which is surprising considering R&D1 are the folks that developed Super Mario Land. They d- developed the Game Boy hardware themselves. So for hell to just come out swinging with Kirby's Dreamland like this and kind of have it show up Nintendo's cash cow Mario that's a huge step forward and and just is like just makes the game kind of seem like the uh the Game Boy's um shining pearl if you will so were you guys able to fuck around with any shaders or anything like that or did you just play it straight up old old-fashioned old black and green as god intended all right so as i did with when i played gargoyles quest i did mess around with shaders and different color palettes you know what you're getting if you stick with the standard black and green lcd i said it before i'll say it again i think some games pull off that uh, color palette just fine I preferred to play Gargoyles Quest in just the standard black and green LCD because I just think that's what looked the best to me. For Kirby, not so much. So I dipped into like the Game Boy Color uh, shaders and stuff like that. And that actually seemed the worst. <laughs> that was actually worse <laughs> than than uh, the, the standard Game Boy. Uh, I don't know the technical aspects of this stuff but i'm pretty sure a lot of the game boy games particularly the early ones didn't work very well for that console because i think so the regular game boys only had the regular game boy games only had access to four colors right i'm asking you because i might be wrong i i don't know if you know i don't okay i think i think (laughs) it's four colors which is why Nintendo started releasing games specifically for the Game Boy Color because they were releasing them for that hardware so they can be more colorful than what we would get with just the four colors of the Game Boy. So uh, then I moved on to the Super Game Boy, 
which is a peripheral for the Super Nintendo that came out long before the Game Boy Color. It's basically the, like this cartridge that you would pop into the console, and then you would slap a Game Boy game into that cartridge. And not only were you able to play your games in full color, but you were able to play them on a TV, which defeats the portability of the Game Boy, but it was still kind of a <laughs> neat idea anyway since there obviously were drawbacks to playing games on a regular Game Boy, like playing at night. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think everyone, every kid our age has got that memory of like being in a car and using the streetlights as refuge for your Pokemon game. It's like Pokemon was perfect for the Game Boy at night because the game didn't move on until you pressed a button. So it's like you had those moments of streetlight passing by. Yeah, like... You just sidestep all that, and it's just like, well, I'm going to play on my TV. Yeah, that the Super Game Boy is fucking cool. I might have to have, like, my own separate episode on that thing. Because, uh, like, one of the options that the Super Game Boy also had was uh, you were able to pick... You had four different options of 32 preset colors, and some of the later Game Boy games would already be programmed with a preset uh, color palette that the Super Game Boy would just give you. But if you didn't like it, you could change it if you wanted to. And so with the Game Boy Color, going back to that palette, everything would just seemed blown out and like super contrasty to me. I didn't like it. And then the colors of the Super Game Boy still didn't seem right to me. So with all of that, I basically just kind of stuck to the LCD, also black and white feel like that's just kind of <laughs> or i should say black and green I, I feel like that kind of looked the best out of all. yeah just, especially i think it, they designed it with that in mind for sure so i don't think they could have anticipated that their game would be translated into other colors and stuff right. like that i think they were like this is for this and we'll just figure everything else out whenever we get to it oh and then one last thing about the graphics before we move on and I think this just kind of adds to the overall design of the game is how well the game uses the screen's real estate. This is something, God, I don't want to talk about Mario Land right now. That's the next episode. Um, <laughs> I wish I didn't bring it up. That's the first thing I thought of. But I, I mean, it's a very good comparison point since both of these, I mean, Super Mario Land was a launch game for the Game Boy and Kirby's Dream Land came out soon after. So... They're very close and very different in presentation. But even though I was playing this game on a TV, the output for the Game Boy games is still a very small resolution. So it's not like I was playing in like widescreen format and had like some sort of advantage that you didn't have. Like all the sprites are small enough and well animated that nothing really seemed out of place or like there there weren't any enemies that flew onto the screen out of nowhere and made anything seem like super cheap which when i think about when i talked to chris on gargoyles quest i think that was one of his issues was there seemed to be a lot of cheap shots as as far as enemies flying onto the screen out of nowhere and you're not seeing anything coming um kirby doesn't do any of that and as big and as great looking as as these sprites were there's like really no slowdown everything has its place it's just overall very good game design very good graphics yeah it's like what is what is the saying like limitation breeds creativity or something like that 
I don't think Kirby would exist in a way that it does without all of the extremely restrictive limitations that the Game Boy came with. And I think that a lot of really good games appear out of the ether just in that exact vein. to talk about the music okay. all right so yeah man i don't know i think the soundtrack is fucking phenomenal man these are some bangers in here that is literally the first thing i said immediately after hitting start was wow the music is fucking right now <laughs> it is great i knew ishikawa did kirby's adventure and the music in that game is fucking great also obviously but like a lot of the stuff in kirby's adventure just reprisals of what started here in the Game Boy. So this was like for being a handheld versus a game on the NES. I think this is just as good, like surprisingly very good, especially just coming out of that one little speaker. You know, I thought it was amazing that I've played a grand total of one Kirby game, unless you count Smash Brothers as a Kirby game, which I think I do. But <laughs> But uh, I I knew almost every song in this game without ever experiencing the game before. And they were all just as good as I remembered them. And I'm like, I don't even know where I know these songs from. Especially like the very first one in the in the Green Hill Zone. Is that what Green, <laughs> green Greens? <laughs> yeah. We don't talk about Sonic on this podcast. Unless we're bashing Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. What is, hold on, what is, um, now that I'm thinking about it, what is Kirby's power in Smash Brothers when he eats Sonic? Oh, I have no, does he just go fast? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe he does ball form? I don't know. I don't want to think about eating Sonic because I've seen too much, I've seen too much art on the internet. <laughs> Air quotes, art. Yeah, the. A lot of it includes Sonic eating. I don't the like Sonic it. fans are quite the creative community. <laughs> creative, yeah. I've talked about a lot of NES soundtracks on this show, and there are so many that are so bad. And that is on more powerful hardware with more sound channels. And Kirby's Adventure sounds, like I said, on par with some of the best NES soundtracks, which is, it's crazy what they were able to do uh, with the sound chip. If you can think of any, do you have like a favorite track? I think it might be the Green Greens or either that or the Celebration song at the end. Yeah. Because yeah. that song has just been on a loop in my head the whole time we've been recording this episode. It's it's a good little like fan just thinking about Kirby dance. Does Kirby's dance change every level? Um, I, I think it does. Because there's one dance where he like face plants and slides across the ground. And I'm like, yeah. this, that's my favorite move. I'm going to have to check. I don't know. I will say the the one thing I have here <laughs> is the sound effect that plays when Kirby takes a hit. It's so dramatic. It's so loud. So <laughs> dramatic. It reminds me of like an Iraq an Iraqi like car bomb going off. Like it's fucking like I don't know why this huge explosion happens whenever Kirby gets hit. It's like we just had an episode on Gears of War. And I don't know if you've played Gears of War, but when you get a headshot in that game, 
like everyone's screaming there's gunfire explosions happening but when there's a headshot you will hear it from across the entire map it sounds like i think the way i describe it is it sounds like a watermelon being fired out of a cannon slamming into another watermelon that has been fired from another cannon <laughs> like that is an insane sound that you get when you headshot someone in that game summarize our thoughts and if we could recommend kirby's dreamland and i will offer that up to you first dude uh would you recommend kirby's dreamland in 2022 absolutely if you're interested in uh the history of video games this is a really uh, insightful game on how games developed for a specific medium should be like this is a this is the a correct implementation of how do we make a game for the game boy in a way that is accessible to many people and it even it even settles the dark souls question of should there be a uh an easy difficulty because it it got, has that has that dark souls mode at the end of it man this kirby game just stole everything from modern gaming didn't it <laughs> It's because Kirby is a singularity. Kirby saw it in the future. So that makes everything a little... Does it make it more impressive or less impressive that Kirby time-traveled back and made his game better? Just add more lore to the Kirby thing because you know how when you see nebulas and stuff like that, it's like already super, super into the future? Yeah. So is Kirby just so far ahead we just don't even know about it? It's like you see those Photoshop pictures of like World War II like pictures, but there's like a modern dude with a cell phone in there somewhere. <laughs> like people just that, that's Kirby. <laughs> Kirby's game is an enigma in itself. So you you are recommending Kirby. I'm sorry, I didn't know if you're, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> in, a, in sure. the dumbest way possible. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean on a personal level, like I I'm glad I kicked off the Game Boy por- portion of my show with kirby's dreamland um it kind of got me in the mood to play all the other games when i was playing these and i like you would totally recommend kirby's dreamland Uh, i feel like it is an essential game boy game with the caveat of course that i've been talking about uh, that it's a little weird to go back to this game after playing all the other kirby games um but again this is like the foundation right it's the foundation of even what that nes game was built on um I think what makes this game so impressive is that adventure barely adds anything to the formula aside from the copy ability, which you could argue that like, yeah, the copy ability really opens up how you explore and deal with the mechanics of that game. And it's certainly a huge ability and upgrade to Kirby's arsenal, but it's just one minor change. But yeah, as far as Dreamland goes, uh, the game is a very breezy playthrough. Uh, a little too easy for that vanilla playthrough, which is kind of a weird thing to say for me. But, um, I mean, we're in Game Boy territory. Um, and that totally works well within its limitations. If you've got an extra hour or whatever and you want to play a really easy game, Kirby's Dreamland, um, check it out. Super fucking fun. 
It makes me think of like the your ability to float over most of every level is it's it's interesting. It's a weird way to like handhold people into playing a game. It's like playing it's like playing Grand Theft Auto knowing you could just put in a cheat code at any time to give yourself all of the guns. Right. And it's like really hard to not do that where I don't know. It's like you you know how they have like challenge runs in video games like like uh like Nuzlocks in Pokemon mm-hmm. where you just purposefully make the game harder yourself. Kirby just playing it as you would intuitively play it is making it harder for yourself immediately for almost every level because you could just float over everything almost. Yeah. I mean, I would use harder in quotations. I mean, it's not that hard, but everything, again, it's so well designed. Everything has a purpose or whatever. And like I said, even in the adventure episode, yeah, you could fly over everything. I don't know why you would, because then you're just not even playing the game anymore. Like you may as well just not play it. Because if you're looking to get to the end to see how the story ends, you're going to be really disappointed. (laughs) Before we go, thank you so much for coming on, dude. I'm sorry I woke you up. (laughs) Thanks for taking the time, dude, and uh, talk about Kirby. Why don't you, this is your time, man. You've got the floor. Let everybody know uh, where they can find you guys. Uh, We are Gaming Together, a cooperative podcast, and you can find us at on twitter at game together pod we have a facebook i don't know how to get a hold of that that's philip's domain if you want to hear more from him and uh our podcast is on all the podcast catchers we have a youtube too but it is so neglected so i i would uh exercise caution going through there you do you guys upload like gameplay footage or something or uh occasionally um we it's like sometimes i'll just throw up a uh, xbox clip because I can do because I don't have a computer. We're doing this through Zencaster on my Xbox right now. I don't have a computer anymore. It broke, and so I used to edit videos and we would throw them up there. We like we have a uh, montage of funny moments from us playing A Way Out and Streets of Rage, and there's a couple of them. Which if you like if you like Kirby, maybe you'll like the Streets of Rage YouTube video we made. I don't know. Oh, I always tell I should have put this disclaimer whenever I was talking about the show, but don't listen to an episode. Don't listen to your first episode as a game that you love because we're going to mess it up. <laughs> we're going to mess it all up. That, that's exactly how my show goes to. It's not a nostalgia podcast. Very much in the now. And what is it like now? But yeah, Gaming Together, it's it's chaotically fun. Great show. Great show. And I'm glad uh, you took some time to come on and chat with me. So thanks, man. Appreciate it. It was fun. Uh, so next week on the show... I'm going back a little further, just a little bit further to the launch of the Game Boy. I already alluded to it. We're really going to find out what the initial game design was like on this thing with Super Mario Land. So until then, thank you guys so much for listening. I will talk to you next week. Take care of yourselves. Bye bye.
right here. Come here. Get up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Now come here. Come to me, dog. <laughs> You're so pathetic. Come to me. Come to me. Come right here. Oh, stretching girl. Scoop. Keith's gonna have a recording. Hello, Keith. Editing Keith. This is what I sound like when I talk to my dog when I think I'm alone. You're gonna hear me talking to my dog, and I forgot I was being recorded. <laughs> Great. So <laughs> I'm leaving it in. You're, you're gonna do that at the end of the episode. Yeah.